Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Monday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We're going to be covering the NFL and we're going to be covering some baseball. This is part one of a two-parter today. Uh, the second part is going to be looking at the combat sports world. Uh, I said I'd do that over the weekend and swing and a miss. Busy weekend. Uh, so we're making it up for you guys here on a Monday. As always, remember, uh, if you're listening in podcast form, give us a rating, subscribe to the channel. If you are watching this on YouTube, like the video, uh, subscribe, all of that stuff really does help me grow this thing, and I would appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. A lot to cover on the program today, so let's get to it, starting with the National Football League. All right, let's begin with Sunday night, and we can't say the Cowboys haven't beat anyone now. Uh, that was an unbelievably dominant performance from the Dallas Cowboys, and a lot of people are going to say this is more Philadelphia losing than Dallas winning, and you can certainly do that, but we've been kind of picking holes in everything the Cowboys have done all season long. This was a legitimately strong win from the Dallas Cowboys against a legitimately strong team. Are they playing the best football right now? No. But you can excuse them for not playing the 2007 New England Patriots on a consistent basis. Th that was a great showing there from Dallas. They dominated the team that was the one seed. And while we kind of poked holes in the argument that, oh, well, who, who have they beat? No one's beat anyone this year. You could make a very strong case. That is like maybe the second or third best one of the season. The best one of the year, I think, was probably San Francisco last weekend beating up on the Eagles. Um, but this one is right up there uh, along with, I, I don't even know what else, but one of the better wins of the season for any team is what the Dallas Cowboys did. And now I think you really do have to look at this team as a legitimate threat to be the one seed in the NFC and to win a Super Bowl. This defense is excellent. They do have some holes. Absolutely. They have some holes and some guys are banged up, but that defense is really good. And this offense is just on another level. Um, from what we have seen before from them in the past. So I think you do have to absolutely 100% give your props to the Dallas Cowboys, not only in this game, not only in the last couple of games, but going forward as a team that can legitimately go out and win a Super Bowl. On the Philadelphia Eagles side, th this race for top spot in the NFC East is massive. Um, and the, the Eagles still could do it right like they are still a good team but they do have some stuff to to figure out and now the struggles kind of come to light a little bit right like they've been squeaking out games where it's yeah well they, they didn't play perfect but you can that wins a win right um now you kind of have to look at the uh you, you have to ask how instead of how many and I, I think that's going to bring up a, a lot of difficult questions out in Philadelphia the, the defense is not as good as it was a year ago the offense is not clicking as well as it was a season ago they need to figure out why and the reason is getting first place in the not like just even forget about the conference for a second first place in the division is so important because you have it is the difference between hosting in the first round maybe even but like probably even in the second round as well right like if you if you win the division odds are you are at worst a two seed um and so you are getting to host a couple of playoff games before you have to go to San Francisco to uh play in the NFC title game. You could still win the one seed as the uh, in the conference and then you get a bye to figure your shit out. You get home field advantage throughout, right? So all of that is so important, but if you lose this conference or this division, sorry, you're on the road. 
week one of the playoffs, right? Wild card round. You are probably on the road, divisional round. And then there is a very good chance you're on the road in the conference final. So home field advantage is so, especially for Philadelphia in January, you want that advantage. You don't want to have to win three road games in this NFC. And odds are you would probably have to win at San Francisco, at Dallas, in whatever order, um, in the last couple of games. That would be rather difficult to do. So th this is such a huge next stretch here in the NFC East for the, the Cowboys and for the Eagles. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but Philadelphia has to now figure out what has gone wrong. And maybe maybe the, the whole, well, I mean, they were winning, so whatever. But now, now all of those issues are coming to light, and now they have to address them quickly. Another big, or I was going to say another big win. There haven't been many, uh, but a big win for the Buffalo Bills this week as they beat Kansas City. Um, again, we, uh, that's another team where we were like, yeah, you know what? Anytime they play a good team, they kind of fall apart. Well, they won. And you could say they almost didn't, but that was very much offside. Now, is that one inch offside um, the reason why that play worked? Probably not, but it was still... Penalty was a penalty, and we don't know. Maybe Josh Allen does march it down, but like they, clock management was not a strength there for Buffalo. But they they still played really really well and really good football to 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 win that game. And so I, I thought again, it was interesting that the two teams coming into this week, where everyone was like, yeah, but who have they beat? Come out and beat the two teams who were in the Super Bowl last year, and two of the top like seven teams in the NFL this year. A real real win. For the, the Buffalo Bills. Still not perfect. Although, man, like, they are ready to praise Josh Allen at any moment. Hey, like, the Josh Allen could roll out. The 11 defenders could all be around Stephon Diggs. And Allen could check it down to, to Dalton Kincaid. And they would be like, well, you know what? This is just, th that just shows how mature Josh Allen is. How much he has learned. Look at him. Really, not pushing it, just checking it down. <laughs> like, there was somewhere it's like, oh, he makes a real smart decision to not throw that ball. It's like, yeah, into triple coverage while he's rolling to his left. He didn't toss it like that. And end up getting uh, the ball intercepted. So, kudos. But... He, he still played well. I, I just thought it was it was pretty funny. And it does seem like he is maturing a little bit, right? Like, th there were some times where he would have forced it in other situations and he didn't hear. Um, and there were some times where he made the smart play and some smart reads and stuff like that. Like, he's not a knuckle-drager at the position. And I think sometimes he gets cast as that because he is aggressive in trying to make some plays. And he was just, he was smart in his aggression um, in this one. So now Buffalo very much alive for a playoff spot. Uh, if the Titans can pull off an upset today, then there's a chance Buffalo could still win the division. Um, like, but Buffalo, I, I still think has a, a real opportunity now to make the postseason, and they are absolutely going to be a team no one wants to play when the playoffs roll around. For Kansas City, this is another one where the offense kind of lets them down. Um, I, you, you can't blame the refs. I need to talk about this. You cannot blame the refs if you are Kansas City. A, he was clearly offside. Uh, the referees after like, yeah, we couldn't even see the football. Like, th he was so blatantly, obviously offside. And to talk, oh, well, de denying greatness. Like, yeah, man, there's still rules, man. Like, the sometimes if it was a holding on the other side and they called that, then yeah, they're kind of being shits. But to not, like, that that was so obvious that that was offside. Just simply don't line up offside. That's all you have to do. And you come up with a, a amazing play that you get to show off your greatness. And so I, 
you, you lose a bit of respect for them in that moment. I do wonder if that was the frustrations of the season and Patrick Mahomes, like he hasn't, he has done an, an amazing job of not throwing his teammates under the bus. I wonder if all of that yelling at the referees was actually <laughs> supposed to be directed at Kadarius Tony and MVS for all of the plays that they have missed this season. And it was just the anger and the frustration of everything they've gone through this year and all the amazing plays that have come up just short, not because of him, but because of a lack of talent around him. And he just unleashed it on the first foe that he actually could unleash it on. Because um, he has been incredibly mature about handling some of the shortcomings of this team this season but that was like you it was so it was so blatantly offside and oh well sometimes they give us a warning well I don't know Matt like you're like just look and see oh wow I'm right by the D lineman hey I should maybe shuffle back a little bit that that it was just it was so dumb. Um, but for Kansas City, again, that's not why you lost that game. It wasn't all right, um, so that play didn't work. You now have to give the ball back to Buffalo. Still had a couple chances, didn't execute. Had multiple chances in that game, didn't execute. Could have got a stop, didn't. The, the, the referees are never the reason they lost the football game. And now all of a sudden, they're just one game up on the Denver Broncos who are playing some pretty good football right now for first place in that division. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. He's definitely going to this season. Um, but it's like to, to have to play all of them on the road would be quite the thing out in Kansas City. Um, Lamar Jackson coming up with a big win as the, the Ravens get their overtime victory. It's still, like, there are times where it, it doesn't look great, but they were able to really push the ball against this Rams defense yesterday. And with great ability at times, um, Odell Beckham Jr. really balled out against his former team. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson was excellent in this game. And then the, the defense... You would have liked to see them come up with a stop there. That was a bit of a, oh, okay. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. On the on the offensive side, though, th this was one of the games where Lamar Jackson kind of reminds everyone, like, hey, you guys, y'all need to be talking about me a little bit more. Um, and then a, a walk-off punt return touchdown is just absolutely amazing. But I, I certainly don't give Baltimore enough credit. I put them high in the power rankings every week. But I certainly don't give Baltimore enough credit. And I, I think we kind of need to start because they, they look really, really good. And this, this week kind of showed it. On the other side, um, I do, like I said, that, that was a bit of an eye-opener from a Ravens defense standpoint. Like, hey, mix in a stop maybe. But I think legitimately that's how good this Rams offense is. And Cooper Cup feels like he's he's like in Space Jam. He's got his powers back. Um, and like, it, it feels like this is now a and an offense you really 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 have to worry about. Kyron Williams is back. Um Tutu Atwell goes down but still Pukunakua has been phenomenal this year and now Cooper Cup is starting to kind of step into this role as as that number 1 again. Th this Rams team looks for real. I've been saying it for a bit and I I I doubted them coming into this game. Um but this Rams team looks absolutely 100% legitimate. Um the Bengals stay in it. Uh Jake Browning an, uh, I don't want to say an amazing performance, but that was a really strong game. Um, and the the Colts offense that I thought could keep pace with the Bengals just absolutely didn't. So the Bengals are very much still alive in this AFC race. And it's it's great to see the weapons around Browning kind of step up. And that defense stepping up in a, a big time way. That was a tough loss for the Colts. Um, the, like it's, it's so clear now that this defense just doesn't have a whole lot there. Um, Garner Minshew, it, it's not all on him. Like... It, at certain point, there are limitations there, but that's it's a tough one for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, it's not 
not a problem out in Cleveland either, as this division continues to be insane. Joe Flacco looks great. And you look at now some of these teams who we've talked about just being a quarterback away. I'm not saying Joe Flacco comes in and leads the the Browns to the Super Bowl or anything like that. And it's, it's even tough to say, hey, don't give the ball to your first round pick. Joe Flacco's right there. Um, cause no, no like proper team management is that way, but it is interesting how many teams just needed a quarterback this year. And now Joe Flacco comes in and has kind of just been a quarterback and has helped lead the charge here. Like the jets might be hovering around a playoff spot. If Joe Flacco was their quarterback, the Steelers might be leading their division. If Joe Flacco was their quarterback, the Falcons could be undefeated. That's a bit of a stretch, but if Joe Flacco was the quarterback there, um, all of those teams, I think are in significantly better spots right now. Um, it's, it's the year of the veteran quarterback making uh, a bit of a comeback out there. I think there needs to be real discussion about the Detroit Lions. This, the Lions are in trouble. Um, and look, I've said for a while, I don't think the Lions are all that good. Um, it's even kind of worse than I thought. And look, they're, they're nine and four. They're, they're going to make the playoffs. It's going to be fine. But Green Bay with a win tonight against the Giants would just be a couple games back for uh, top spot in the division, and the Lions' schedule the last little bit is tough. It has been exposed that this defense can't stop shit. Um, it's uh, another one. Like, the the Bears, I don't even think the Bears looked all that good, and they diced up that defense for Detroit. And then offensively, Jared Goff is just stuck right now. They need something big to to shake up that offense right now because it looks stuck. And Detroit now, it just feels like they're taking on water at this point. And this is where um, I think there may be some limitations with Dan Campbell as he is a a phenomenal rah-rah, let's go out there and, and fight them guys. Now I think you do need to see a little bit more X's and O's and trying to figure out how do we stop this bleeding because it's it, it's bleeding pretty bad out there in Detroit right now. And how about our Tampa Bay Bucks? Not just your Tampa Bay Bucks, they are our Tampa Bay Bucks as they come away with a huge win against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, we are a win away from cashing over six and a half and we are somewhat in the driver's seat to bring home that NFC South crown, which would be just a, a phenomenal boost for our um, our preseason bets. That um, I, I've been saying, like, right now, of the three quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield is the guy. He is the best quarterback in that division. Um, and this Bengals team is kind of playing like the best team in this division right now. The Falcons' defense has, has shown up, for sure. But... Again, Ritter, not, I mean, he was fine yesterday, but not fine enough to beat our Bucks, baby. Um, Gardner Minshew and, um, and Mike Evans are having an unbelievable season together. And now you're starting to see Rashad White. It's one big play after another each week to, to help get this team to where they need to get to. Atlanta, I think it's just poorly run. Um, and New Orleans, they, they get the win this week, but there's still a lot of yelling going on. Um, Derek Carr is an acquired taste, I think, and it feels like um, that's not a taste that has been acquired by those out in New Orleans. And so I I, I just, it does feel like the Bucks are kind of in the driver's seat right now to go out, get that division, and then get the piss beat out of them in the first round of the playoffs. But worry about that when they get there. Uh, what, a, what a performance again. What a performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, and again, San Francisco looks absolutely unbeatable. So, uh, two more games on Thursday night, or on Monday Night Football, sorry, way ahead of myself. Two more games on Monday Night Football tonight, wrapping up the week. All right, you see the hat, 
you know what happened this weekend. You know what has all gone down. I have a lot to say about the Shohei Otani situation and the Toronto Blue Jays and all, just all of it. So let's let's get into baseball. So, uh, if you were watching on Friday, I was like, hey, you know what, like, if, if the Shohei news breaks at some point here, uh, we'll go live and we'll talk about it. Because it felt like, I mean, look, we were told by an insider that it was imminent. And then we were told he was on his way to Toronto. And we were told about a 50-person sushi uh, gathering that was happening close to the Rogers Center. And there was a plane that was flying. Um, and all of these different things. And then, oh, it was the dude from Dragon's Den who was on that plane. And uh, now he's not in Toronto. But, I mean, hey, maybe the Jays are still, oh, what's that, 10 years, $700 million? Oh. This was just absolutely playing with the heartstrings. And no, like anyone who was dunking on Blue Jays said, oh, can't believe you guys got excited. <laughs> like Morosi, uh, not Rosenthal or Passan, but I, I would say he's tier two um, in, in that world. At least he was. Um, so credible source comes out and says, hey, this thing could be happening and he is flying to Toronto. It'd be weird if he was flying to Toronto to tell him no. Um, so that was happening. And then... You have all the other stuff about the sushi and the, the plane and all of these things. It's like, man, this this feels like it's happening. So do not get on Blue Jays fans for getting false hope. Get on the entire internet for giving them that hope. So many Blue Jays fans are like, you know what? Well, I'll believe it when we see it. And then all of it pointed to, okay, this could realistically be happening now. And the, the Jays felt like they were a legitimate number two in this whole thing. But... Coming in second doesn't get you 75% of Shohei Otani. It just gets you nothing. But it, it nothing but heartbreak, really. It's, if all, if Shohei would have just gone to the Dodgers, like, if last Thursday it comes out, Shohei Otani has signed with the LA Dodgers, you'd be like, ah, well, that, that was probably how it was going to go. But he was a Blue Jay. There are people tweeting about press conferences. Like, he was a Toronto Blue Jay. It was right there. And then it gets taken away, and now he's going to the Dodgers. And it's just so, so heartbreaking, the way all of that played played out. Um, it's, from a Jays fan standpoint now, it gets really difficult to, to get super excited for, for this season. Um, and it gets like, it, it's just, it, it's one kind of body blow after another. And then you have to deal with all the, the stuff that's being reported. But I mean, what, one of the first things I do want to say, I don't think the Jays were just the team to help drive the price up. I, I, I legitimately believe there was like, Shohei doesn't fly to Dunedin just to get Blue Jays fans hopes up. He doesn't do all of these things. Like I... I believe that if the Dodgers don't one-up it here in this last go-around, that we're talking about Shohei Otani as a Blue Jay, right? Like, and it does seem like a lot of the, the stuff was getting leaked out to kind of put pressure on the Dodgers to do this. Um, and look, like, we all knew. If there's a tie, like, tie goes to the Dodgers. We, we knew that was probably going to be the case. The Blue Jays were going to have to be probably considerably the best option. And I don't think anyone was expecting that the Dodgers would go nuclear with $70 million a season, which by the way, is close to a billion dollars Canadian. And we'll get to all of that in a little bit. But um, I, I think that if the Dodgers don't come over the top on the Friday, that Shohei's a Blue Jay. I, I, I do legitimately believe that given how, how seriously he was taking all of it, 
that it, or at least it seemed that the Blue Jays were probably a, a real legitimate number two, which again, doesn't get you anything, but some of the, oh, Jays just being used to drive the price up. Why would you use the Canadian team to do that? Right? Like, why would you use the team that would have had to pay a billion of their dollars to get you? Like, if, if you're going to drive the price up, it would have been the Cubs. If he was looking to drive the price up, he wouldn't have been so dismissive of the Yankees right away. Like, there were better Trojan horses to ride into that battle or to, to sneak into that battle than the Blue Jays. So I, I just, I don't understand that part at all. Um, of this whole thing. But now from a, a Toronto standpoint, look, like, from the Dodgers standpoint, it makes a really great team a really greater. And yes, they are the World Series favorites by a considerable margin. There. There is your Dodgers breakdown of Shohei Otani going to this team. The World Series favorites become World Series favoriter. There. From a Blue Jay standpoint, there's so many layers to this. On the first part, it is now a... The 2024 Toronto Blue Jays are a tough sell to Blue Jay fans right now because of how disappointing this was how excited people were. Like, there was a point based on, again, based on credible reporters, the Blue Jays were in on Soto and in on Otani, and at various points, the favorites in both. While we both, like, the, the Soto one was kind of like, they're the favorites right now until the Yankees get their shit together. Like, we, we all kind of had that sort of a feeling. Um, but on the, on the Otani part, like we said, it felt like he was here. And so now you go from that to, well... Um, instead of having this generational talent who could change not only the face of the franchise, but the face of the sport in this country, um, now we, we're just left with a team that was wildly disappointing a year ago and hasn't won a playoff game since 2016 and has had heartbreaking exit after heartbreaking exit the last couple of years. So that, it's not a great bag to be, to be left holding. And, like, again, all of the hype around all of these guys, and then it turns into nothing. The only thing you can sell now is winning. That, that like, bringing in Joey Votto as a Canadian, that's not going to move things. The only thing you can sell is this team going out there and actually reaching the potential that we thought they had a couple of years ago. Instead of just this slow bleed toward Vlad and Bo's free agency. But, hey, at least they got a couple wild card games. Like, th this team has to... The, I think the only way they can win um, fans over is to win baseball games. Like, I don't, if they get Bellinger, I don't know if that's going to move the needle a ton for fans. If they get, like, any of these guys, I don't think it's going to move the needle a ton. And that is also why I don't think you can just say, well, they were going to spend $500 million on Shohei, just spend $500 million in free agency and load this team up. Doesn't work that way. In this case, I don't think four quarters equals a dollar. I, I don't think spending $500 million on Bellinger, Snell, um, Peter, Jock Peterson and Justin Turner. I, I don't think if you go out and out reallocate the money you were going to spend on Shohei and move it here into this pile of free agents. Well, there you go. Now we spent the money to make this team better. I don't think that make like financially, I don't think they're going to do that because th there is not even close to the return on investment for that. Like if you, if you go out and sign Shohei, it means Rogers now has a footprint in Japan. Um, you can put Shohei Otani on fucking everything. I was right ready and prepared to spend about a thousand dollars that I don't really have on Shohei Otani jerseys. Like that, that is the impact this guy has. It is like that, that $700 million from the Dodgers, that's an investment. That's, it's gross to talk about human beings this way. Definitely it is. But that is not a, well, we're, we're just hoping to make our baseball team better. That is going, a lot of that is going to be paid back 
in just the interest that Shohei Otani brings and the brand of Shohei Otani. Um, and so the brand of Cody Bellinger doesn't exactly do the same thing. So I can understand why Rogers, they're not going to up the payroll all of a sudden to $500 million just because they were ready to get Shohei Otani. It's like, well, Jock Peterson's going to get us in there now. That doesn't work that way. Um, so I, I don't think that you're going to see the Jays be that aggressive. They're, I think they're going to be aggressive because I, I do think they understand this team needs to win. And I, I think the, the, the same desperation that led the Blue Jays so far into the Otani hunt is going to fuel the rest of this offseason. I just don't think it's going to be like the, the, the financial bonanza for other people in free agency that the way this was. This was absolutely 100% a special thing. And we've heard as such, right? Like, we heard the reports that the Blue Jays had separate budgets for Shohei and for not Shohei. We are now into the not Shohei one, and I don't think you can really dabble in this one anymore. Um, so that's... I just don't think that you, you can kind of pick from there. So now, like, the, the Blue Jays do have other free agent needs. Um, they will probably address them with players who aren't as exciting. And I have said before, there there is... This is not a, like, we're starting from scratch here. There is a strong foundation here in Toronto. And honestly, if Vlad just turns into Vlad again, if Vlad just turns into the guy who was competing with Shohei for an MVP a couple of years ago, then this team has a real legitimate shot of winning a division. Regardless of who else gets brought in, the most important piece of this team is Vlad Guerrero Jr. figuring it out. That's basically what this comes down to. Now, Shohei would have helped that, but like Bellinger, whatever, all these guys... It has to, and it, it's a lot of pressure to put on like a kid who's 25 years old. It all comes down to if Vlad Guerrero Jr. can get back to being the Vlad Guerrero Jr. We all know he can be. The other part of this that has been so frustrating the last couple of days is how this has all been covered. And even in the lead up to it, where people begging Shohei go, to go to the Dodgers, like, don't go to Canada, Canada. The Canada slander that has been going on is ridiculous. And the people tying themselves in knots to tell you how much more important the um, Shohei Otani to the Dodgers is than Shohei Otani to the Blue Jays is, is ridiculous. I understand, like, basketball is not in an amazing place right now. Basketball is in a really, really, really good spot. Um, and the biggest stars that they have had over the last few years have played in Cleveland, Milwaukee, Oakland, um... Phoenix and Denver, right? Like, not we're not exactly talking. Like, yes, LeBron's out in LA now, which certainly helps, right? Um, but before that, he was in Cleveland, and Giannis is in Milwaukee, and Jokic is in Denver, and Steph Curry is, was in Oakland for a long time, and now it's San Francisco. Ooh. Um, the the NBA is doing just fine. Going to have. A billion upon billion upon billion upon billions of dollars in TV revenue with some of their biggest players playing in markets that would get scoffed at by baseball writers. And look, like the Dodgers brand is already pretty strong. They have been consistently one of the best teams in baseball for years. And that's done exactly jack shit for things, right? Like, d does Shohei Otani being in LA help some things out? I guess. But it's 2023, man. Like, that, that stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much I don't think and like it, it all really started and some a lot of this frustration for me started about a decade ago um in 2015 when they were talking about actually talking about 
on the Fox broadcast of the American League Division Series, they were talking about how foul balls into the crowd were more dangerous in Canada because Canadians grew up with hockey and therefore couldn't catch as well if a foul ball, because we didn't play catch when we were kids. Um, so we, we couldn't defend ourselves as well if a foul ball came into the crowd, as fucking ridiculous as that was and infuriating as that was. And now... There's all of this talk about the Blue Jays as if they are this small market, like barely better than the Oakland A's team. Toronto is the fourth largest city in North America behind New York, LA, and in at number one, Mexico City. So by using all of these same descriptors, if Mexico City gets a team um, and they don't get Shohei Otani, they can look down and be like, oh, well, it's nice that the peasants got something. It's... It's so frustrating that Toronto is kind of viewed in in this light as, as just this other whatever. We can talk about like comparing Toronto and New York and Toronto and LA as these cities for, for so long. But th this is another reason why this thing stings so much is that Toronto could finally be treated in baseball terms as like this, or maybe even just in sporting terms, as finally the big market that it actually is. And one of the issues is that Canadian TV ratings don't matter in the States, right? So like, even though we have Fox affiliates up and down our TV guide, right? Like you watch TV in Canada and you've got like six Fox channels for some reason. Um, and if we watch the Blue Jays on Fox Saturday Baseball, um... Our ratings for that don't count. Even though we're watching it on the Fox affiliate, our ratings don't factor into the, the Nielsen ratings, which are an antiquated way of doing things, but it's how it's always been done, so it's whatever. The, the ratings up here don't count for the ratings down there. So it behooves the networks in the States to be like, yeah, fuck Canada, right? Because like if the Jays are in the world, like th this year, the Rangers and uh, Arizona in a historically lowly watched world series, but... TV ratings, pretty strong in Texas, pretty strong in Arizona, so that pushes the number up. If the Blue Jays are in the World Series, one of the local markets, the ratings for that are a zero for Fox, right? And the same thing if the playoff game's on ESPN, the, the Jays and the Twins, the, the Blue Jays watching portion of that locally for ESPN is a zero. Um, and there's also other issues about, like, they have to come to Canada and use a certain amount of Canadians and blah, 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 blah. But... It is kind of a pain in the ass for American networks to have Blue Jays games on. Um, it was the same with the Expos as well, because like our, our like I said, our Canadian ratings don't count for them. Um, it's not just that like, oh, people up here don't care about the Blue Jays, which like fair, but they also don't care about most teams that aren't their favorite team. It's just because you don't get the same local ratings that you would if Colorado was playing Boston, even though Colorado isn't a highly coveted TV market, they'd still rather Colorado be in the World Series because at least the local Colorado numbers compare there. So I do think any chance they get to be like, oh, hey, by the way, the Jays don't mean shit. They're going to, to hop on. I'm not saying that's the, the entire reason for some of the, well, it's just better for the game um, bullshit that we're seeing. But I do think it's not not a reason, right? Like, I, I think if they were saying, don't go to Boston, um, there'd be a little bit more like, hey, could you, could you fucking not... Um, but it's Toronto and the TV ratings don't count there in the antiquated way that they view them. So it, it, it's easy to just kind of cast Toronto aside. But this would have finally shown that Toronto isn't the, just this place that 
Vince Carter can't wait to leave, and Kawhi Leonard didn't stick around in, and um, that that Roger Clemens couldn't get to wait to get away from, or that this place that like Roy Halladay just kind of toiled for a little bit until he finally came to relevancy with the the Philadelphia Phillies. This was finally a chance to show like, hey, this is a passionate fan base. That this is a an actual baseball city. Honestly. Blue Jays doing well, I think, like, they are right up there with the Leafs. And we've seen that, right, with 2015 and 16. When that team went on a, went on a run, when the Blue Jays are doing well, it's a Blue Jay city. They don't deal with the Blue Jays' bullshit all that well. But that run kind of reinvigorated things and kind of reminded a lot of people in Toronto, like, oh, yeah, hey, kind of dig this Blue Jay squad. But for a long time, the Canadian dollar has been used as the excuse um, to kind of treat the Blue Jays as almost a poverty franchise. And look... A lot of this is kind of self-inflicted, right? Like, I think for a long time, um, that, that stretch kind <laughs> of um, pre-Jose Bautista, post-Joe Carter, touch them all, um, there's that stretch there where the Blue Jays were kind of dog shit. And there were some times where they spent, right? Like, they, they went out and acquired Roger Clemens. They um, did the, the whole 2006 free agency thing and trades where they get Gloss, Overbay, BJ Ryan, they go out and get AJ Burnett. Um, like they, they have, they, they, there were times where they went out and spent, but a lot of times it was, well, we're bringing in the Canadian dollar and we have to pay out the American one. So we're just going to be a small market team. And it was that way a, a little bit in basketball as well. Um, the Raptors had to be a little bit more, um, creative with some things, but for the Blue Jays, it was, well, how can we compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox? We are a small market team because we're bringing in the, the Canadian dollar. And so there has been this mentality I think down south around the Blue Jays that they're just like the, this again poverty franchise that um, is just this small market trying to make it in a big market world when again the fourth largest city in North America. It's so incredibly frustrating and like I said before, it was used as a justification before, so you're kind of now trying to dig out of your own hole when you're like, oh yeah, don't come to Toronto. Uh, we can't really uh, afford to, to do it. But it, it needs to stop um, because this is a team that has been able to, to get free agents in and has been competitive with the, the Yankees and the Red Sox for years and years and years on what, what amounted to a shoestring budget. And now, I mean, the dollar's not great, but they're, they're still actually trying to be competitive. And it's just, it's, it's really disappointing. Um, but one of the things that is so frustrating is some of the talk about how, well, I mean, you're going to go to Canada. They don't even care about baseball. Uh, the Blue Jays were eighth in attendance this year. Eighth. And that was for a team that, honestly, it wasn't a fun watch this year, right? The, the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, it wasn't this roller coaster of ups and downs. It was just near disappointment, disappointment, near disappointment, catastrophic disappointment, and the season was over. Um, there, there was a lot of frustration around this team, and they still finished eighth in attendance, 300 people on average, um, 300 people a game behind Houston. The Jays finished ahead of the Cubs, legacy franchise, the Mets, now things went to shit toward the end, so, so for sure. Um, the Red Sox, who were kind of in it for a while there, although they haven't built up all this great will, but no one's talking about, oh, well, no one cares about the Boston Red Sox, um... Also, uh, the two teams that went to the World Series this year finished considerably behind the Blue Jays in terms of attendance this season. And go on, ask the Seattle Mariners how they feel about the lack of give a shit in Canada uh, around the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they have a pretty good understanding that Canadians are rather passionate about this team when they go fill up um, the, the Mariners stadium 
every single season and have to try to drown out let's go Blue Jays chance. The the, the thought that we're, we're just a bunch of hockey playing, maple syrup drinking, whatever the fucks, is such an antiquated, lazy way of looking at things. But again, they can because the, the Blue Jays aren't the draw that they need them to be in the States. Um, but to say, like, no one cares, again, get absolutely fucked with that, with the, the Blue Jays, again, eighth in attendance. And so I think it now comes down to the Blue Jays to speak with their whole chest about how good things are going for this team. Because, look, I, I have been a Blue Jays fan my entire life. Um, the, the, the hat probably gives that away. But, like, a, a lot of people know me as the dude who talks about hockey. Um, and even, like, some others may know me as the guy, the, the guy who talks about, uh, about fighting. But, like, I here on this display that this is a hit, run, and throw thing from, from 2000. Um, I have on here, it's going to take a, a bit of a second here because I have other things. Oh, that broke. Um... I have on my, my desk here a ball that was given to me, uh, tossed to me, by Dan Plesak in 1998, signed by Sean Green. I uh, would have had David Wells' signature on it, but he said no. Um, so, like, my, my Blue Jays fandom, they are my team. Like, my, my number one team in all of sports is the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I have been through the, well, you know what? If Orlando Merced can really take off, this team may have a shot this year. I've I've been through those seasons. Things right now are so much better than they have been in the past. Now, it's not as good as it could be, and it's not as good as we want it to be. That is 100% accurate. But to suggest that things aren't going well for this team would be a wild mischaracterization of what's going on. So now it's on the Blue Jays. They need to be obnoxious about celebrating their wins. Pump up your chests. Like, with, with, say it with like 10 toes in the ground with a Blue Jays flag planted beside you. Say, look, we just got like 54,000 or however many the new Rogers Center is gonna hold. We, we just got sell out here. Oh, another night, sell out. Another night, 45,000 people. There we go. So, like, attendance numbers, be obnoxious with it. Hey, look at this. Consistently over a million people watched our TV uh, games this season. Pump that out. Like, Blue Jays local games are beating D ESPN's national coverage of Sunday Night Baseball. Let everyone know that this is not just a hockey country anymore. Let everyone know how passionate this country is about the Blue Jays. Now, will that stop lazy reporters from doing lazy pieces about how um, a big-name free agent staying away from Toronto is actually good for the game? No, because lazy pieces of shit are going to stay lazy pieces of shit. But the it is now up to the Blue Jays. And I, I think like they've done a lot, right? Like <laughs> Where they've been able to invest Canadian dollars in things that only cost Canadian dollars, they've done great. They, they are redoing the Rogers Center. They have remade the clubhouse so that it is a, a juggernaut of sports science. Um, they've done a lot in Dunedin to make that a place where people can grow and kind of reach their full potential. This organization now really needs to pump out and be like, hey, real things are happening here in Toronto and y'all are going to want to be a part of it. And I think that's why Hyunjin Ryu signed. I think that's why George Springer signed. It's probably definitely why Kevin Gosman signed. This, is, this isn't just a hockey country. Toronto isn't just a hockey city. It's what everyone knows us for. But people get behind this team in a way that I think few truly understand. 
And it would have been great if Shohei could have shined a spotlight on it, but now it's up to the Blue Jays to make that national spotlight even brighter. And hopefully they're able to do that with a lot of success, um, but hopefully they're able to do that so some of these people will just shut the fuck up about it. All right. That's my show. Thank you guys so much. Jesus, I went on a rant there. Um, all right. Um, like I said, there's gonna be a part two of this coming up here in a little bit. Gonna be talking about some of the combat sports stuff that happened um, last weekend uh, and two weekends ago, leading into a big one this weekend as uh, the UFC closes off the year on pay-per-view with two title fights. We'll get into early storylines about that. Fights to make coming off of the last couple of fight night cards and uh, my my WWE one, uh, it's like the G one, but for the WWE, um, that is coming out as well. So that's going to be in part two of this coming out a little bit later on today. As always, if you like this video, give it a like, uh, subscribe to the channel, and uh, tell your friends about me. If you are uh, just listening in podcast form, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, leave a rating or a review depending on the, the site that you're listening and subscribe that stuff helps me out you can find me on social media twitter instagram and tiktok i'm at primetime klein twitch.tv slash primetime pk and you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com talk to you guys in a bit i'm out